The BBC presents Jet Morgan in Journey into Space. Exploration of Mars had begun. After the landing of the Discovery in the converted freighter ship number one, the first land fleet, led by Jet Morgan, headed northwards for the more temperate climate near the equator. For three days, the two caravans slowly made their way across the great polar ice cap. Meanwhile, further supplies were being ferried down from the rest of the fleet, still revolving in free orbit a thousand miles above the Martian surface by freighter number two, the only other freighter capable of making a landing. We had covered nearly 400 miles and were hoping to sight the northern limit of the ice cap when news came through from the polar base that freighter number two, coming down from space for the second time, was in trouble. Hello, land fleet. The ship, I can't control it. I'll have to make a forced landing. What's the matter with the ship? What's wrong? I don't know. I, I was helping to investigate a mysterious orange light. An orange light? There's a, a noise. It's... A noise? What we heard when we made the first landing. I'll have to put her down. I'll never make peace. The only way I can hope to save the ship. I'm so sleepy. Sleepy? Oh, blimey. Hello, number two. You must not go to sleep. You must stay awake. Do you hear? We're almost on the deck now. About to land. She's difficult to control. Move back up. Hello, number two. Hello. She must have crashed. How far north must did Frank say she was? Fifty miles. If we increase speed to 20 miles an hour, we could cover that distance before sunset. Well, that doesn't mean we'll find her. Not before dark, anyway. But there's a Yes, and there's a chance of burning up the motors, too, with the load we're dragging behind. That's a risk we'll have to take. If that ship is wrecked, her crew will be in dire need of help. Okay, Jeff. All right, Lemmy, turn on the juice. It's a race against time. Right. Hello, Frank. Morgan calling. Can you hear me? Yes, Jeff. We picked up number two's calls, but they were very faint. I heard you talking to them. Are they all right, sir? I'm afraid not, Frank. We think they must have crashed. Oh, no. We're heading in the direction you gave us as fast as we can, hoping to find the ship before sunset. Well, if there was something we could do up here, we feel so helpless. I understand from Lemmy that your caravan is almost ready to leave. Almost. There were a few things we needed to unload from number two before we were complete. But you could start out at the pinch? Yes, we could. We've got enough supplies to last us at least a month. Good. Then I want you to start out right away. If we find the ship and she's badly damaged, we'll need all the help we can get to salvage her and the cargo she's carrying. But it'll take us three days to reach you. No, Frank. Head straight here. Don't bother with any surveys or tests. Come here direct. And don't stop. Keep going night and day. While one drives, the other can sleep. Now, follow our tracks. How soon can you start? Within the hour, sir. Good. Then we hope to see you sometime tomorrow. And keep in radio contact all the way. And good luck. And to you, sir, finding the ship. Thank you, Frank. <laughs> Yes, Mitch? Do my eyes deceive me, or do I see hills ahead? Hills? It's not a fog bank, after all, nor a cloud bank. It's a range of hills, and all covered with ice. Yes, I think that's just what they are. 
What's your opinion, Doc? Could be, Jet, but I thought the ice cap would be flat all the way. We were told to expect some high ground, but not at this latitude. Not until we reach the southernmost limits of the Mare Australis, at least. Well, maybe those are the southernmost limits. Perhaps there's no ice on the other side of them. Well, maybe, Doc. But a more important point at the moment is whether that range is climbable. Uh, Mitch? Yeah, Jet. What do you estimate the height of those hills to be? At a rough guess, I'd say around uh, 2,000 feet. And they must be 100 miles wide at least. 100 miles... Hey, what do we do, Jet? Climb over them or go around them? Oh, it may take hours to find a way around. We'll go over them if we can. And what if we can't? What if the load's too heavy? We'll cross that bridge, Mitch, when we come to it. Meanwhile, we press on and hope for the best. Hello, Landfleet. Roger's calling. Hello, Frank. Jet here. We've left the base now and on our way. Good for you. How are you doing? Had any luck yet? No, Frank. We've barely covered 30 miles since we last spoke to you. Uh, we're now approaching a range of hills. Hills? We're going to attempt to climb over them. In fact, we're already on the lower slopes. Are you going to make it? Oh, I can't say yet. Have you kept a constant listening watch on number two's frequency? Yes, Kipper, but we haven't heard a thing. Uh, neither have we. Oh, let's hope the reason for the silence is nothing more serious than that the radio's been put out of action by the forced landing. Well, keep listening, Frank, and call us again in an hour. Okay, Well, we're certainly getting up this far, all right, Jeff. The gradient's no more than one in three, Mitch. How high have we come? Oh, about a thousand feet. Well, the worst part is still in front of us. Let's hope we make it. And let's hope we make it before darkness falls. The sun's almost touching the horizon. And let's hope when we do get to the top that we can get down the other side. It'd be just our luck to find ourselves poised upon a precipice. Looks as though we might do it, Doc. There's only a few hundred yards to go. Hello, Chet. Chet! And what is it, Mitch? Our treads are not gripping. We're beginning to slip. Well, take it easy. We're nearly there. It's no good, Jet. You'd better go on without us. We'll catch you up if we can. All right. When we get to the top... Hey, it's happening to us now, Jet. The treads are losing their grip. Nurse the motor, Doc. Treat her gently. Oh, it's no use, Jet. The slope's too steep for her to take it. We're carrying too much weight. Oh, well, wait a minute. Yes, she's okay now. Yeah, we're climbing again. Yeah, but Mitch isn't. He's stopped. Hello, Mitch. It's no go, Jet. If I keep raising the motor, she's liable to burn herself out. You go on, and we'll go back a little and try again. Okay, Mitch. Here we go again, Jet. She's losing it. Stop the motor, Doc. Switch off. Mitch, uncouple your tractor. Leave the other two trucks behind. What? Abandon them, you mean? Uh, just temporarily. Without their weight to hold us back, we should make the summit easily. Then we'll be able to get a look at what's on the other side before it gets dark. We might even see number two. Okay. I'll see you upstairs, then. Uncouple our trailers, Doc. We'll come back and pick them up later. Okay. I'll disconnect the linking section between us and living quarters and seal it off. To reconnect it will mean going outside, Jet. By the time we get back, it'll be too dark and too cold even to put our noses out there. We'll have to spend the night sitting up in the driving seats. It won't hurt us. Well, that's the air pumped out. Now to break the vacuum. Ah, that's it. Okay, Doc, is she uncoupled? Yeah, Jet. Well, let's get started. Motor, on. Ah, that's better. She's almost flying up now. How are you doing, Mitch? We'll be on your tail in just a minute. You go ahead. Okay. We'll wait for you when we reach the top. Okay, Doc, we've made it. Stop home, we'll take a look around. Right. Ah, here comes Mitch, almost alongside us. All right, Mitch, stop here. Right. Now, can you see any sign of number two? Blimey, talk about the heights of Abraham. Hey, look down there, the ground changes color from, from white to sort of deep purple. Yeah, it's the end of the ice. It ends down there on that plane. Oh, never mind the scenery. Look for the ship. Well, there's hardly enough light for that jet, and it's getting darker every minute. Well, Mitch, Lemmy, 
There's no sign of a jet that I can see. I'm afraid we're too late, Jet. Had we arrived half an hour earlier, we might have stood a chance. But the light hadn't completely gone until just now. Maybe she's not down there. But she must be, Doc. According to Frank, she was 50 miles directly north of us before she crashed. But that was seven minutes before she crashed, Jet. She could have drifted miles off course in that time. All we can do is go down there and search for her. In the dark, with absolutely no clue in which direction she lies. But what about the ship and her crew, Doc? Look, Jeff, there's no point in throwing your life away. If we could see her, I'd agree to make an attempt to reach her, but to wander around down there in the dark might be suicide. You mean we made all that effort to get here to no purpose? Oh, we can start out again in the morning as soon as it's light. There's nothing we can do now anyway. We can't even see the plane anymore. Nothing but pitch darkness and the stars in the sky. Oh, you're right, Doc. Hey, Jet, a light! What? Yes, mate, you see it directly below us. You can just make it out. Where, Lemmy? Here, there, you see? Yeah, yeah, I can. It, it, it's hardly more than a pinpoint. Yes, I can see it now. It must be them. Huh? Of course it is, Doc. At least one of the men must be all right. And he's put the headlight on in the hope that we'll see it and that it'll guide us to where the ship is. We must let him know we've seen him. Oh, when his radio is out of action. With our headlight in Morse. Then we can learn exactly how bad their position is. If they're okay and merely stranded, we can spend the night here and go down with them in the morning. Here, let me get to the switchboard. No, don't. No, wait a minute. Eh? That light, it's moving. What? Well, isn't it? It's quite distinctly traveling towards the west. Good grief, it is. And it can't be the ship. No, Jeff. It can't. And who is it? And what is it? to have gone now, Jet. What could it have been? Oh, goodness knows, Doc. If only we knew how far away it was, we could have calculated its speed. That might have given us some clue to its identity. Mm. Do you think it saw us? Uh, assuming it's capable of seeing. I wish I knew, Doc. I think we'd better play safe, Jet, and not put the cabin lights on. You mean, sit here in the dark all night? Well, it's the only way we can be certain of avoiding detection, visually at any rate. Well, we could go back down the hill a little way. The rise would block us from the view of anything down there on the plane. And what if it can fly and passes overhead? Oh, well, it'll have to be a night without lights as well as beds. I'll call up Lemmy and Mitch and tell them not to put their lights on. And we'll draw up a rotor to keep one of us watching the plane while the rest sleep, in case that light appears again. Hello, Lemmy. Doc calling. Can you hear me? Mm-hmm. Hello, Lemmy. Wake up, you hear? Oh. Uh, hello, Doc. It's, it's Mitch here. Oh, my two hours are up, Mitch. It's Lemmy's turn for watch. Uh, okay, Doc. Leave him to me. I'll wake him. Right. Meanwhile, I'll try to get some sleep myself. Uh, what time is it? It needs three hours to sunrise. Uh, did you or Jet see any sign of the light again during your watches? No, Mitch, not a flicker. But don't relax. Keep a sharp lookout and call us immediately if you see it. The intercom speaker is right near my ear. I'm bound to wake. Okay, Doc. And good night. What's left of it, anyway? Night, Mitch. Oh, so stiff. Hey, Lemmy. Lemmy, wake up. Uh, now, wake up, do you hear? And take your foot out of my stomach. No wonder I can't sleep. Uh, what's up, Mitch? What's up? What's up? Time to wake up. That's what's up. It's your turn for a watch. Oh. Oh, I've never been so uncomfortable. These driving seats were never made to sleep in. And it's stupid. What? Oh, down there, oh, not a hundred yards behind us at a sleeping quarters with two comfortable warm beds going begging. 
And there we are, trying to stretch out on one square foot of sitting space. No wonder I'm stepped all over. Cold and all. What are eaters on, Mitch? Yeah, they're going full blast. Oh. Any coffee left? Oh, maybe. You put your mind on that plane. I'll feel in the locker for the flask. Wouldn't mind a hot drink myself. Yes, Mitch. Oh, it's black as ink out there, isn't it? Except for the stars in the sky. Ah, I got it. And the mugs, too. Good show, mate. What was that? That's a stopper. I dropped it. Will you be able to find it again? Well, I can wait till morning. There won't be any drink left after this, anyway. We won't need it till then. Here, Lammy, can you take it? Yes, mate. Tall. Oh, this will put new life into me. Oh, blimey, there's only a mouth full here. Is that all there is? You're lucky. There's even less for me. Well, it looks like we've had coffee until we get into living quarters in the morning. Oh. Any grub left? <laughs> we finished that up yesterday, during the noonday halt. Oh. Well, I'll just have to sit and suffer. Reckon you will, Lemmy. I'll sit and suffer with you. Hey, you mean you're going to stay awake and all? Well, hardly seems worthwhile trying to sleep again. Oh, well, in that case, I mean, you can take the watch and I'll go back to sleep. Oh, no, it's your watch. You take it. Besides, I might get sleepy again after all. Oh, d- d- Mitch, boy, there's no sense in two of us sitting up. Look, I mean... Lemmy, I've already had one bash, remember? I took first watch before Jeff and Doc took theirs, and you slept like a log all through it. Oh. Do you think that light will come back? Well, how should I know? I'm a stranger here. What is it, I wonder? Here, you don't think it has got something to do with number two after all, do you? How could it? If number two has been wrecked, it couldn't move. Oh, but maybe one of the boys left the wreck and came out onto the surface with a flashlight. He'd have more sense than to come outside at night in this latitude. Besides, that light was moving far too quickly and smoothly for a man to have been carrying it. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose it was. Here. Perhaps it was some animal or, or an insect, like a firefly or something. Maybe, but unlikely. Well, maybe unlikely, but not impossible. Well, I wouldn't say that an insect was completely out of the question, but... But an animal, no. Well, maybe nocturnal animals down here on Mars carry lights at night, like some insects do up on Earth. Why not? No reason at all, Lemmy. If animals could exist up here, but they can't. Not what we mean by animals. Oh, do me a favour, Mitch. I'm not talking about Earth animals. Martian animals could be quite different. Would have to be, or, or how could they exist? So far as we know, Lemmy, they don't. No form of animal life could survive the kind of cold you meet up here at night. It'll be frozen right out of existence. Well, somebody or something must be connected with that light. It couldn't get up and walk, could it? And it, I mean, the... Oh, blimey. Well, what's the matter? It's here. It's come back. What? Oh, where do you see it? There, look. Directly in front of us. Down there. Cripes, yes, it is, too. Travelling across from the west, back from where it went. Hello, Doc. Mitch calling. Wake up. Uh, hello? It's come back. What? It's there, moving across from the west. Here, yes, I can see it. I'll wake Jet. Call you again later. Right. There it goes. And now it's stopped. And at the place we first saw it. It's not an orange light, is it? No, Lemmy. That's definitely white. It looks as though it's made up its mind to stop there for a bit. Where are you going? Into the observation hatch to take a bearing on it with the astro compass. Can you read it in the dark? Now, don't go putting any lights on, Mitch. No, Lemmy. I'll just set it and read it off in the morning. There must be some reason why it came back to the same spot. 
And an examination of that place tomorrow might tell us what. He's off again. Making off towards the west again. I wonder if it'll be back for a third time. Not if it only travels at night, it won't. The sun will be up in any minute. Yeah. There. It's gone. And he didn't travel so far that time before he disappeared. It was though the light was switched off. Hello, Mitch. Jet calling. Yeah, Jet. Can you still see it? It's completely disappeared so far as we're concerned. We've lost it too, Jet. Oh. Oh, it'll be getting light soon. As soon as it's light enough, get up into the astro hatch and see if you can see anything through the navigational telescope. I'll do the same here. Meanwhile, Lemmy and Doc can search the plane with binoculars. Jeff! Jeff, I've located it! Down there on the plane! Eh? What, the light? No, Lemmy, the ship, number two. Jeff, do you hear me? Yes, Mitch, where is she? Bearing 325 degrees, declination minus five. Where is she, Mitch? I can't see her. Look, you see where the plane lightens towards the horizon? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and see that dark streak running towards the east? Yes. A, a little to the north of where the streak begins. I've got her now, Mitch. I can see her, too. And so can I. Oh, it's her, all right. She's tilted on her nose and one wing is touching the deck. We'll get down there as soon as possible, but we'll have to take the trailers with us. We may well need some of the supplies in them. And how do we drag them up to the top of this hill? We'll couple both tractors together and pull each caravan up separately. With a double pulling power, we should manage it easily. Now, move over to me and hook up. We've no time to waste. Now, wait a minute, Jeff. Is that wise? How do you mean, Mitch? Well, that light we saw. What about it? It's gone, hasn't it? Yes, it has. But the place where we first saw it, and where it's headed for in the night... Well... I figure it to be exactly where number two is now. Mitch's announcement didn't deter us. As quickly as was humanly possible, we hooked the two tractors together and dragged up first one caravan from the hillside and then the other. Once the trailers had been hauled up to the summit, the tractors were reconnected, each to its appropriate train, and the long descent down towards the purple plain began. We reached the bottom in about 30 minutes, and when we were once again on level ground, increased our speed to maximum. Now the ice began to thin out, and patches of the purple soil showed through the frozen sheet. An hour later, we had left the ice behind altogether and were traveling across a moist, almost marshy expanse of country stretching as far as the eye could see. The ground, softened by the melted ice, clung to the treads of the trucks in purple cloths. For the first time since we'd arrived on the planet, we saw, high in the sky, a thin, pink, feathery cloud formation. It was probably one of the most colorful scenes we had ever witnessed. But we had little thought for the glorious view. Somewhere out there on the purple plain was the wreck of number two. Our aim was to reach her as quickly as possible. From the top of the hillside, she had been invisible, except through navigational telescope and binoculars. But now, nearly two hours after leaving the vantage point... Number two, no more than a speck on the vast plain before us, became visible to the naked eye.
How about it, Doc? Can you make out any details? Not really, Jet. Binoculars aren't quite powerful enough. But the port wing is damaged. It's all out of line. Any sign of life around her? No. Oh, then our crew must still be inside. And so they stayed in from choice. Hey, wait a minute. The main cargo flaps are open. What? Yeah. Then they must have left the ship at some time. Maybe the airlock was damaged and they could get out only through the cargo hatch. Then where are they now? Inside, of course. They'd have to go back into the ship for the night and they must still be in there. Mm, well, that means that at least one of them must be okay. Maybe they all are. I wonder if they've got their radio working yet. Hello, number two. Jeff Morgan calling. I'm now directly south of you and near enough to see you. Can you hear me? Can you hear me, number two? Hello, Jet. Uh, oh, hello, Lemmy. I don't think you're going to get any reply, mate. I've been calling them every five minutes since we come down from the hills. Oh. Well, keep trying, Lemmy, and let me know if you hear anything. Right. How about Frank? Any news from him? Yes, mate. He caught up less than half an hour ago. He's on the other side of the hills now. He should be over them in about three hours. And overtake us sometime during the afternoon. We'll be at the ship by then. Yes, mate. Well, thanks, Lemmy. I'll call you later. Right. Hello, Midge. Yes, yes. We've only a few hundred yards to go now. When you reach the ship, pull up just south of her. Then both you and Lemmy put on your suits and go outside. Wait by your truck and Doc and I will join you. Right. Oh, come on, Lemmy. Jet and Doc are already on their way over here and you're not even out yet. Well, give me time. I talk up the personal sets to the main radio or I would we hear Frank if he calls up. Now open an airlock. Hello, Mitch. Lemmy can follow us over. Uh, did you hear that, Lemmy? Yes, Jet. You get going, boy, and I'll join you in just a jiffy. Come along, then, Doc. Mitch, let's get over the ship. She's a bit of a mess, isn't she? Must have hit the deck pretty hard. It's a miracle that any of the crew are still alive. What makes you so sure they are? There's been no sign of life since we first sighted her. How else can you account for the cargo flaps being open? Impact might have done it. Might have set the mechanism off and they opened automatically. Ah, a chance in a thousand of that happening. There was a chance in a thousand of her crashing. You know, I can't help feeling, Jet, that if there was anybody in there, they'd have shown themselves by now. They must have seen us coming across the plane toward them, even if they didn't hear our radio call. Yes, Doc, you'd think somebody would be keeping a lookout. Look, let's go round to the nose. The way the ship's tipped, we should be able to see into part of the pilot's cabin, at least through the window. Yeah, come on, Mitch. Hey, where are you going? Wait for me. Oh, here comes Lemmy at last. Only round to the nose, Lemmy. Make your way round there, will you? Yes, Jet. And don't walk under the wing. Go round it. Why? You think it's going to fall on me? The ship has had a heavy smash, Lemmy. There's no point in taking any risks. All right. Round the wing, then. But it means a lot further to walk. Well, there's nobody in there. If there was, we'd see him. Even if he was slumped on the floor? During flight, he'd be strapped to his seat, Lemmy. He couldn't slump to the floor. And if he isn't in the seat, where's he gone? Ask me. Well, if they won't or can't come out to us, we'll have to go into them. But how? The main door of the crew cabin is tight shut. We'll go in through the cargo hatch. And how do you get up to that? Fly? We'll drive one of the caravans over here and climb onto its roof. We should reach the hatch then. Yeah, I reckon we might, too. All right, Mitch. Come on, a couple of feet more. How's that? A little further. That's it. Hold it. All right, Doc. I'll go first. And be careful, Jet. Don't slip and damage your suit. Oh, I'll take care. Don't you worry. Uh, look, have you got a flashlight in case the ship's lights don't function? Yes, Doc. Hello, Doc. Mitch. Yeah, Jet. Come on up, all of you. Any sign of the crew, Jet? No, but the airlock between the cargo hold and the cabin is open. What? That means that there can be no air in there. That's right. Oh, blimey. No wonder there's nobody keeping watch. And no wonder they don't answer our radio calls. Up you go, Lemmy. And take it easy. All right, Doc. I'll go next, Mitch. Okay. Hey, Jet, give me a hand, will you, mate? I can't quite make it. Uh, hang on a minute, Lemmy. Now, come on. Ready? Yeah. Oh, uh, that's it. Ah, it's all. Well, look, I'd better stay.
can't give Doc a pull-up. He's no taller than me. This is unbelievable. There's not a sign of anybody. The whole crew's missing. They must have abandoned ship. When they found the main airlock was out of action, they got out through the cargo hatch. Then why wasn't the ladder down? And where did they go? And why? There was no need. They must have known we'd find them within 48 hours. They could have sat tight there until we arrived. No, they didn't, did they? And wherever they went yet, they must have walked. Eh? Yes. This ship carried only one land truck, and it's still in its stowage. It hasn't been moved. In that case, they're frozen to death. Unless they spent the night here and left the ship this morning before we came up. In which case, we would have seen them, Jet. We've had this ship under constant watch through the telescope and glasses since dawn. Look, Jet, if they left the ship, they must have gone on foot. Well, well the ground outside is soft and moist from the melted ice. Anybody walking on that ground would have left footprints. Let's go back outside and see if we can find any. Yeah, come on. Well, all the prints out here seem to be ours. Mm, of course they do, Lemmy. We all wear clothes and boots of identical design. Except for their size, these prints are barely distinguishable from one another. Now, we don't look here. Let me directly under the cargo flaps. We look over parts of the ground we know we haven't walked on. If we find any prints there, we know they can't be ours. Oh, yes, mate. I didn't think of that. Now, uh, let's see. We left the trucks over there, walked around to the front of the ship, and then back here over the same route. Doc, you better take the area towards the ship's stern. Right. Mitch, you take the starboard side of her. Roger. And let me now cover the port side. Hey, Jet. Over here. What is it, Lemmy? I found them. You have? Yes. Come on. But there's something fishy somewhere. What? Well, how do you mean? When you get here, you'll see for yourself. Well, Lemmy? Are they footprints? All right, they. Yes, they are, but... But they're not the same type as ours, are they? Whoever made them marks wasn't wearing regulation boots space man for the use of Mark Three, was they? Hey, Doc, Mitch, come on over here. I'm already on my way. Me too, Jet. Whoever left these prints behind must have had two left feet. Or two right ones. And flat feet at that. That's certainly not the regular boot shape, I must say. What do you think, Doc? No, not a pattern I'm familiar with. Well, why doesn't somebody say it? Say what, Lemmy? Martians. These are their footprints. Who else could they be? Now, don't let's go jumping to any hasty conclusions, Lemmy. Do these prints lead right back under the cargo hatch? They seem to. Let's follow them. Now, what's all this about peculiar footprints? Well, you take a look at them, Mitch, and you'll see. There, right under the hatch. Now, we might have noticed them before if we hadn't driven the caravan right over them. How far away from the ship do they lead? Well, we can soon find out. Come on. Here we go again. If people back on Earth could see us now, they'd think we were playing at Boy Scouts. where they stopped, nearly half a mile from the ship. But there must be some more of them. They can't just disappear into thin air like that. Hey, look at this. What, Mitch? A deep circular depression. Here, about three feet wide. Yes. Now, what could have made that? And here's another one over here. Exactly the same. And here's one more, Jet. That's three of them all together, like like the corners of a triangle. An equilateral triangle, sides about 20 feet long. I know what this is. It's the light. The light, yes. Or whatever was carrying the light. It must have come here to investigate the ship after it had crashed. Maybe it even caused it to crash. Eh? What else could it be? You mean, some machine or other's been here, been messing around with our ship? Possibly. Then those footprints must have been made by somebody or something coming out of it. Exactly. And what about our crew? What's happened to our crew? Well, it's pretty certain that they, or their bodies, if they were dead, have been taken from our ship and transferred into something else. 
But where have they been taken to, and who took them? That's what I intend to find out. That light. The last time we saw it, it was moving directly west from here. Yes, and pretty fast, too. Very well, gentlemen. The exploration route has been changed. From now on, we travel westwards. You mean you're going after that thing? Yes, Lemmy. We'll leave Frank to look over this ship and check up on the salvage possibilities. Now, what if we don't find anything? Then we'll come back and continue our journey towards the equator as originally planned. Now, wait a minute, Jet. We haven't time to wait even a second. Now, come on. Let's get back to the trucks, call up Frank, and get on our way. Yes, Jet. <laughs> You've been listening to episode 11 of Journey into Space with Andrew Foles as Jet Morgan, David Kossoff as Lemmy, Guy Kingsley Pointer as Doc, Bruce Beebe as Mitch, and with David Jacobs. The orchestra was conducted by Van Phillips, who also composed the music. Journey into Space is written by Charles Chilton and produced by him in the London studios of the BBC.